0: Welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Rumble, YouTube, all kinds of places to look for us. Please like and subscribe on any of them or all of them. We also love interacting with our audience, so join us on all the social platforms such as LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and many more. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. We have a cultural issue. Well, the reality is we have lots of cultural issues. Uh, This one, though, uh, it's a big one. It's a big issue uh, from the therapeutic lens. Uh, It's very prevalent, uh, like rampant across the globe, I believe. And it's super destructive, and yet it's as sly as a fox. And that's a problem. When we have issues in our culture that look like they're not that big of a deal, but they are really big deals relationally. That's a problem that we need to address. And today we're gonna address it. And we're gonna address it because it is curiosity. We are absolutely Shutting down curiosity. We are killing curiosity. And there's a lot of problems with that. You know, I mean, if, if we think big picture, we can easily see how you know, our, our uh, creativity drops, our, our motivation drops. We, there's a, inherently within each of us a certain amount of curiosity that's necessary for functioning. When you were a kid, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are, there was a curiosity within you. And many times that that is fostered and and managed, but really encouraged when we're kids. And then we get a little bit older and we're told, don't be curious, because curiosity killed the cat. Well, there is a danger in curiosity. But there is something amazing about curiosity when we are appropriately curious. And today, we're going to talk about that. So let's start with what is killing curiosity? Like, how is this happening? From a therapist's point of view, because that's what I am, I want to give you, uh, I'm going to give you four things that I'm noticing. Now, there may be more. And you may not fully agree with everything I have to say about these, but these come from, obviously, I sit with people clinically and I work through issues, work through stuff. And in that, I'm identifying some things that are absolutely killing curiosity. Number one, and these are in, not, not in prioritized order. They're just, they're, they're here. I just want to give them to you. Assumptions. We know that assumptions, when you assume, you make an out of you and me. All right, you can fill in the blank. Assumptions on the receiving end of curiosity. So if somebody else were being curious and asking me a question about something they think I might have the answer to, so I'm on the receiving end of that. If I assume we know their agenda, like if I assume I know their agenda, I am going to kill their curiosity. Because what's happening there? It's not a learning opportunity at that point. It's a hierarchical dictatorship. I am the expert and you are the minion. And I'm going to give it to you how I assume you need it. And that's a big problem. On the delivering end, if I were curious and you were not uh, you know, being curious and I approach you and you, and what's going to happen between you and me is this. I'm going to ask a question, but I'm going to do it in a way where I assume I'm going to get resistance. Why? Because that's what's happening all around us. If you ask from a real true place of curiosity, many people right now, are not using the opportunity to help you understand what they're doing is using the opportunity to assume you have some secret agenda and so they're resisting and so we assume that when we come from a real place of curiosity we're going to run into resistance well that dis- that's a discouragement we- why would i keep putting myself out there if all i'm going to get over and over and over is resistance doesn't make sense. At some point, we're gonna start to bottle it up and be like, well, I mean, I guess I can't be curious. All right. Number two, this is a big one to me. Uh, it's something that I do in therapy all the time. Uh, not like all the time, but all, most sessions, not most sessions, most uh clients at some point go through this this phase where we have to teach about feedback because there's really poor teaching out there about feedback. And I wish it wasn't so, but it is so. And so I'm going to give you the the, you know, the little 60-second tour of feedback. Feedback is a blessing. Start with that. It is a privilege to receive feedback because with that, we can find our blind spots, the areas where we can grow and improve, stuff like that. That's one. It is not a burden. It is not a burden. Now, sometimes the way it's given is not helpful, but the message still might be helpful. So I'm going to help you clear that up. It's pretty simple. It's one question. Just memorize it. It's the easiest thing to do. Memorize this question. The next time you get feedback, ask it to yourself. The question is, does it fit? When I get feedback, my mind goes, does it fit? They tell me I'm being mean. I immediately go, wait a minute. My heart is good. I'm not trying to be mean. But I ask the question, does it fit? And there's only three possible answers from there. Yes, no, or maybe So, if somebody says, I'm being mean, and I know my heart is good, I'm immediately going to think, no, I'm not being mean, and I'm going to come across defensive. However, if I'm open and receptive to feedback, I'm actually going to default to, does it fit? And maybe, I mean, you're seeing something I'm not seeing, and all of a sudden, I'm open to them giving me information. That's a curiosity. So, poor teaching about feedback, what we're not doing is teaching the question, does it fit? If I ultimately end up at the conclusion that it does not fit, I just dismiss it. There's no reason to get heated and irritated and annoyed. I mean, I I get that we do. We have emotions. I'm not dismissing those emotions. At the same time, if we're asking the right question, it takes a lot of that emotional elevation out of the equation. Does it fit? If the answer is yes, I got a correction to make. If it's no, then I dismiss it. And if it's maybe, then I need to get curious. All right. Number three, when it comes to my point of view of how we are killing curiosity. Number three, there's a fear of the perception of failure. Like we don't even have to fail anymore to feel like we failed because the perception out there is that we failed. And if people believe that we failed, then we must have failed. Uh, No, that's not accurate. And I'm going to go into a few other things for you. People are going to think what they think. We can't control what they think, feel, or necessarily do. Sometimes, right? The police might cuff somebody to prevent them from doing something, right? But generally speaking, in our culture, we're not about chaining people up, locking people up, you know, stuff like that, uh, that would be considered detainment. And we don't do that unless it's absolutely necessary. That's our cultural uh, perspective. They will think what they're going to think. So let them. I mean, you're you're not there to persuade every single person. You're not there to make friends with every single person. Now, do I want? Do I want everybody to like me? Of course, I would love it if everybody liked me. And that would be an impossible task. So I'm not going to concern myself with that. And I recommend to all of you out there, as a as a therapist who sees this stuff routinely. There has to become a separation of my desire to be liked and me putting a lot of emphasis on what they think of me. Because at the end of the day, if I'm living to my values and principles, that's the best I can do. And I'm going to keep doing better every day. But their opinion, though it, though it matters, can't matter that much. I've done other podcasts on that topic. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next one. They uh, uh, Within this category, though, they'll love you or hate you for who you are or for who you pretend to be. So here's the deal. If they're going to love me and hate me, whether I'm being me or pretending to be somebody, uh, might as well just be myself. (laughs) Get the love that's deserved and maybe, I mean, I don't think hate is actually deserved, but, you know, get the, the feedback or the, the disapproval that is well, deserved, potentially, right? I don't want to pretend. It's too much of a burden. It's too much work. And the last one in this category, the fear of perception of failure is failure is required for growth. We have to have it it's necessary. If, if we don't have failure, we cannot grow. We can't. Look, we, if we succeed and succeed and succeed and succeed and continues to succeed, we have not found our limits and we better start pushing harder. We push to the point of failure. That's what we've got to do. Push to the point of failure because failure is a requirement in real success. Like if you have the potential to do a ton of stuff and never fail, then find something harder. Push yourself more. I hope that's making sense. We're going to move on to number four. The elitist mentality. The elitist mentality is a hierarchical approach. It's, there are those that are better and those that are worse. And I use those specific words on purpose. It's that good-bad scale. Better and worse. Versus the relational approach. The relational approach would suggest everybody has value. It's a matter of finding it. Those are hugely different mentalities. The elitist mentality puts us in a position where we kill curiosity. We kill it because our interest is in being right. We prioritize being right above being friends, family, and so on. That's it. In my opinion as a therapist, knowing the design, the human design to be relational, I would suggest that that goes against our design, which is a different scale. I know I switched scales on you, but the design of, the, of a person is to be relational. And so we look for things that are unhealthy or healthy regarding our design. All right, And I would suggest that the relational approach is our design. And if you go against it, you're going to cause problems. And the hierarch- hierarchical approach does that at some point. Now, there are times and certain circumstances where that's important. For instance, uh, you know, the day I turned 17, I had Sergeant Anaya sitting on a couch with my, or actually sitting in a chair, and my parents sat on the couch. And my parents signed me over into the Marine Corps. Was, I got legally emancipated that day by a recruiter. Those of you who didn't know you could do that. No, it's a it's a doable thing when you're under 18, uh, to a certain extent. I think if you have to, I think I had to wait for my 17th birthday. And in that uh, experience in the military, one of the things that I learned is that hierarchy is really really critical in uh, what do we call it, combat situations in uh, certain. Really fast-paced decision-making moments. Uh, I would also suggest that hierarchy is probably important when you're uh, an emergency services personnel, say like a a police, uh, ambulance, fire department, stuff like that. We need to know who's making the decision in that moment. Or sometimes what happens is we end up with non-decisions. And we saw down in Uvalde uh, over last summer, that's not a good situation. So in emergency services, it's one of those realms that hierarchy does help in crisis situations. But in the general sense, when it comes to the way we work socially and in the way we're designed psychologically, we don't want to function from that, that state. It's not the healthiest approach. It's the, the best approach there would be relational, which is you have value and I have value. I accept my value and limitations, and I accept your value and limitations. It doesn't mean anything is fair game. We can still set boundaries. We can still, we can still work things out and grow between us, uh, but we do see the value in others because we're looking for it. Okay. Those are the four things that I think right now uh, have become really prevalent uh, in terms of killing curiosity. And remember, curiosity is critical to growth. We gotta have it. You wanna grow, you gotta have courage, you gotta have curiosity. just, those are components that are necessary. So what do we do? What do we do? Number one, I'm gonna give you five things, but I'm gonna break them down a little bit. So you're gonna get a little more content than just five things. Number one, forget perfection. It's not happening anyway. Get it out of your mind. For those of you... uh, who are perfectionists, you got to move on. You got to accept perfection is not going to happen. That doesn't mean, excuse me, that doesn't mean you don't strive for greatness. Great, strive for it. Go ahead, love that. But perfection is unattainable, unrealistic, and there's no way to meet it, so get past that, okay? Number two, figure out who you are and what you stand for. I know I've said this, I don't know, maybe once or twice along this podcasting journey. But Tupac talked about that because Tupac got it. And there's others, but you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Thanks, Tupac. All right. Uh, Back on January the 19th, so not too far back, maybe a week or so, I did a podcast called Going to the Light. If you want to learn more about that, it's really detailed out, out in that one a lot better, and uh, if you watch it on Rumble or YouTube, you can actually see some some things on the screen that are hopefully going to be well helpful. Uh, number three, move toward your best version of you. Move, move. You don't get anywhere by doing nothing. Uh, What you are doing when you do nothing, though, is you're making a decision and your decision is to do nothing. And in that decision, you are going to cost yourself a lot of things. And sometimes you could save yourself a lot of problems. For instance, when you want to open your big mouth in a scenario, which I've done plenty of times, and say something really, really stupid, but you bite your tongue, you save yourself a bunch of challenges. But when you stand by and you watch somebody being belittled, demeaned, hurt, and you do nothing, you have to live with that. And that's a burden you'll carry. That's a burden you'll carry. So move. Doing nothing is rarely the best option. Now, waiting, being patient, sometimes is the best option. But doing nothing, not typically the best option. Number four, be prepared for obstacles. Like we want to, we want to revive curiosity in our lives. We have to be prepared to run into resistance, obstacles, because they're coming. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Invite those obstacles. I know I'm taking that one to the next step. I get it. But invite the obstacles. Learn that those obstacles that we're inviting help us grow and make us better. So when we invite them, what we are actually inviting is feedback and growth. So don't see obstacles as the problem. See them as the opportunity. I know y'all have heard that, but that's a big deal when we're looking at this stuff. You want to create curiosity. We have to go, well, why am I struggling so hard right now? Why is this happening? And get curious. And you're going to find answers. You may not find all the answers, but you'll find some. And each one of those will help you grow if you use it wisely. Number five, ground yourself in reality. 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 And with that, I'm going to show you, those of you who are with me, uh, on the, uh, the good old uh, Rumble and YouTube. I'm gonna pull something up so that you can see it. And uh, you may see me go in and out of the screen a tiny bit because I'm gonna adjust here. And I'm gonna show you something. Many of you have probably seen this image. I have just put up an image uh, of an old lady. Yep, an image of an old lady. And I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna reach up here. I'm gonna adjust some things. Here, Let me let me paint it for you. There is a, a, a nose right here, okay? Hopefully you got that. There is an eye right here. Good, you got that, good. And then there's a mouth right, wow, uh, right there. We're gonna go with it. Uh, I just gave it a sweet little mustache. Um, and then there's a chin down in this, this little region right here. Now, I point those out because that's the old lady. Reality will also tell you that this is a young lady. Now, some of us get stuck in saying, nope, it's only the old lady. Now, some of you know what I'm getting at. You're going to see it already. For those of you who don't see it, this right here could be a jawline. Okay. The jawline, this, this right here could be an ear. All right. Keep tracking with me. This is an eyelash and a nose. And they are facing away from us. Both of those things are true. Absolutely true. And when I say you got to be checked into reality, that's what I mean. I mean, reality is independent of you and me and our feelings and our thoughts. Reality, truth exists whether you like it or not. And in that reality, there was more than one image in the image. Now there's thousands, thousands and thousands of examples of that. But I, I brought that up because I want you to understand how important it is to be in reality. If you get stuck saying there is only the old lady, because that's your default, which by the way, Many people do. Why? Because they're not being curious. They must ground themselves in reality. And reality is, we live in a complex, challenging world. Period. It's not as simple as, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. It's not going to be that simple. I promise you, I am not making this crap up. Okay. I'll give you one more example. I'm going to rabbit hole here a little bit, so bear with me. An example of reality, whether you like it or don't like it, I'm giving it to you how I see it as a therapist. Many of you have heard the term DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion. This, by the foundings of it, should be a good thing. It should be. And what has it turned into? Well, let's take a closer look. I'm gonna pull up something for those of you who are are with me online. Uh, I'm gonna pull up a bunch of definitions. actually my bad. I'm gonna I, I skipped something. I gotta come back to that. The diversity, equity, and inclusion has turned into a lot of hate. So by design back in the sixties, it's when it came out of the civil rights movement. For those of you who didn't know, it really stemmed from that. And DEI by, at that point was built on the concept of, as, as we just recently celebrated, um, Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, Dr. King was, uh, he was all about what we call agape. Agape is the, uh, the, the most inclusive version of love. It is It is not a passivity. It is an acceptance. There's a difference. And so, you know, it's not saying um, you, you can't be uh, firm and loving. It's saying you shouldn't be violent and call yourself loving. Uh, violence is by by nature not... Uh, not going to fit within the realm of agape. Uh, And we learned that. uh, Matter of fact, Dr. King would have taught. We learned that from biblical principles. Okay. So when we trace this back and we see that it started as love, but now it is turning into all of this, you know, this verbal judo and at least verbal hate, if not actual physical violence, because it sometimes does, something went wrong. Something went wrong in there that flipped it from what it was intended to be to what it currently is. Now, if we are basing our stuff in reality, if we're basing our stuff in reality, then we'll go, wait a minute. It has strayed so far from its original intent that something's wrong we we have to go in and say something is wrong and get curious but instead what we do is we defend 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 and with that i'm going to tell you one of the things that drives me absolutely okay so it, this is nutty for me equity equity as a therapist now not because i don't believe we should do what we can to create an equitable playground. We should, but equity drives me crazy because it's really only applicable from my, my vantage point as a, a social science guy in law. We want legal equity. Now that makes sense. Apply the law fairly regardless of religion, race, stuff like that. Okay, that's good. I've, I, I like that. I appreciate that. But when it comes to social equity, no, a hundred percent, no. And let me say it one more time. No. Why? Not because I don't want you to have all that you deserve in this world. I do. I want for you to have a great life. Why do I say no? Why do I say it's not good Relationally, because it takes away our uniqueness. And by design, you were made to be unique. Why do I know that? Look at the thumbprint. Look at your your physical features. Look at your thought processes. Look at your emotional capacities. You were made to be unique. There is none like you. You are it. There are people who are similar people who are different, but there is only one like you. And if that is the relational reality, then equity in that realm doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. Economic equity, maybe we could argue that. Legal equity, maybe we could argue that. But social equity, that is therapeutically, that's garbage. That would be me treating you like you could climb a tree but you're a fish. That's what Einstein said. <laughs> That's, it can't, it can't happen. It's not healthy. Okay. I am going to go down a little bit more of this rabbit hole with some of you. If you're following on rumble or YouTube, uh, it's my hope that, uh, you know, this will make some sense here in a minute. Cause I am, <laughs> whoo, this gets me a little fired up. So if you, uh, if you can bear with me, I, I could get a little fired up here, but I'm going to go to this. This is a a, a, a deal that was put together. It, it's it got a bunch of words, definitions, um, that are to explain. It's, it's called a glossary of definitions and core concepts for diversity, equity, and inclusion. All right. And so I'm going to go down this and I'm going to go to the word diversity. There's a whole bunch of other stuff here. I'm going to skip it because uh, I'm going to actually make this accessible to you uh, through uh, the, the, the portal, my website. Um, and it's free. Go ahead and go check it out. Uh, I haven't done a paywall or anything. I just want people to access this stuff and, and benefit from it. Um, hopefully that'll stay the case forever and ever. Uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, this does take up a lot of my time. So there might come a point where I, I ask for, for donations or put a paywall, but that is not what I'm hoping to do. So diversity, uh, I have, uh, diversity up here on the screen and I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to highlight it and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to pick this thing apart. Wow. It is really weird. Okay. I'm done. Uh, Those of you who want to see it, you can go and look. Diversity. All right. It it's socially. This is what they define it as. Socially, it refers to the wide range of identities. A broad view includes race, ethnicity, gender, age, national origin, religion, disability, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, education, marital status, language, veteran status, physical appearance, etc. It also involves different ideas, perspectives, and values. Okay. So let's let's break that apart. What it's saying by diversity is you are unique. Um, I don't mean this to be rude, but I, I get fired up about it. Duh. Duh. Of course you're unique. You were made that way. And you weren't made that way because socially we had to say you're unique in all of these ways. Honestly, that's a given. So we should, like, in my opinion, as a, as a mental health person, stop looking for our uniqueness in the sense of like, it's the only thing that makes me special. You're already special. Move on from that and ask more important questions. What do I do with my uniqueness and my gifts? What do I do with them? How am I going to benefit the world that I'm in? with these gifts and look for them in other people. And when you find them in somebody, point them out. That's fine. Wow. Yeah. I really like your freckles. Those are unique. Okay. know, yeah, Great. I would rather that than some of the other things we say, you know, wow. I didn't think of it like that. That's really cool. How you thought of that. Awesome. You know, like, Wow, how do you how do you manage your emotions in those critical crisis situations? And then you talk about it. You grow and you learn from each other's uniqueness, but you also get to appreciate each other's uniqueness. I don't think we have to spend so much time labeling every single one of them. I actually think that that's unhealthy because by design, we're unique. That's a given. Why are we struggling so hard to point out our uniqueness. Why? And I do it too. Don't get me wrong. You know, like uh, when we talk about, (laughs) okay, when we talk about slavery, I'm going to be real. Everything inside of me says, wait a minute, I'm unique too. But was I a slave? No. Was my family a slave? Probably. Did I have family members that were? uh, Most likely. Our lineage on one side of my family comes through Czechoslovakia and Italy. What are the chances that we made it through the Italian wars, the Czechoslovakian wars, and over to the United States without at some point being owned and running away from it, most likely, because that's what generally speaking, that's what slaves end up doing, right? Look in history. So I want to point out my uniqueness. I know you do. That's okay that you want to. What I'm saying is let's stop doing that. Let's stop pointing at our uniqueness and let's let other people just experience us instead of our uniqueness. (laughs) Okay, bad play on words. For those of you who aren't laughing, that's on you, not me. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed that. All right, equity. Let's go to equity. Equity is the fair treatment, access, opportunity and advancement for all people, while at the same time striving to identify and eliminate barriers that have prevented the full participation of some groups, some groups. Okay, I just got to snub right there because I'm fired up. As soon as we identify some groups, unfortunately, what we're doing is we're getting rid of equity. So within the definition or description that they're giving us, we're eliminating equity. That sucks. Moving on. The principle of equity acknowledges that there are historically underserved and underrepresented populations and that fairness, ooh, that's a big word, fairness regarding these unbalanced conditions is needed to assist in the provision of adequate opportunities to all groups. Look, fairness, when people talk about equity and fairness, those are two different things. Equity is making it the same for all. That's what equity is. And fairness is actually making it different for everybody. So you're looking at the same or are we looking at the difference? Which one is it, people? Like uh, this, oh, hopefully you you hear me attempting to control. Like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. But we could tear that apart and and go further. One more I'm going to go over is uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're going to skip down, I think I just passed it, to inclusion. Mm, Inclusion, there we go. So inclusion, providing equal opportunity. There's that word again, equal. Equal opportunity to all people to fully engage themselves as if we can control them, but going on in creating an environment and cultural attitude whereby everyone in every group feels accepted. I cannot make you feel accepted. What I can do is I can love you. It's up to you to open the door, let that love in, and feel accepted. So again, I know I'm getting all fired up, it goes on. I better finish because, and every group feels accepted, has value. That's given. We've already talked about this and is supported by a foundation based on trust and mutual respect. Now I love the idea of trust and mutual respect. That's fine. No issue there. You heard my issues with it. Now I shared that because I wanted to give you some background about uh, what's being taught partly, but also I wanted you to understand that when we look at things from a relational lens, from our design, from reality, not my reality, not your reality, but reality, some of these things just pop out and you can't unsee them again. You're going to see them every single time now. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I want you to know that I'm going to put this on... Uh, my website. So you'll be able to access it. Uh, put the link in the post for the podcast, uh, as well as on Rumble and YouTube, and you'll be able to access that, uh, that de- the- those definitions. And feel free to try to unsee what we just went through. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Matter of fact, I'll bet you can find 50 more things on that document because when I was reading through it, oh my gosh, there were parts that were driving me absolutely batty from a relational lens. So thanks for joining us. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.